I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, I nearly forgot what I was saying, Andy. I jumped into doing the usual <laughs> thing and I nearly forgot what I was saying. Buddy, what is going on? Aaron Rodgers is back. Does anything matter anymore? Anything? No, it's the only thing. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's a good week. and People are going to notice that we're a bit more upbeat. And you know what? It's really weird, right? When you look at the listenership, well, it's not weird at all. It's completely uh, makes sense. But if you look at the listenership of the podcast, dips. When we do rubbish, people just don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about how crap you are. Even the wins in overtime, it just isn't enough to make people tune in. But they're starting to steadily go up now after our, you know, our Rogers back. We're going to do it. Oh, Andy, but something really, something that really resonated with me came out of Mike McCarthy's press conference this week. What was that, Dave? I was listening to what he was saying about Aaron Rodgers and, you know, how he wanted to come back and the vigor that he had and all of that was great. But it's when he turned around and said that he got home on midnight on Tuesday because he had Elf on the shelf responsibilities. Andy, that's something that I can relate to. I, now I know that me and Mike McCarthy are one and the same. Do you have Elf on the shelf responsibilities this Christmas? <laughs> I did Elf on the shelf last year. It was so last year, Steve. That's what it was. It was so last year. <laughs> I had great fun with Elf on the shelf last year, but I have uh, my schedule's been too busy this year to be uh, playing with Elf positions. <laughs> yeah, you don't like to get the Elf in all different positions. Now, that that can go really wrong really fast. But listen, this is the really annoying part about Elf on the Shelf because A is 40 euro, right? So I'm looking at that going, Jesus, if I only would have thought about, you know, selling a teddy bear in a box with a book. And the book's really badly written, by the way, right? I'm reading the book. Don't like it. And it's written by two people and that makes it even worse somehow that they've collaborated on and they still couldn't make a good effort of it, right? So that annoys me. Um, so th- this elf that you have to move around because in the book it says you can't touch him, you, you can't talk to him, you can't get near him. So I get this weird like goosebumps whenever I have to move him because I'm like oh, I shouldn't be touching him, you know? I, did you get that? Is that just me? Is that just me? You know, and it's kind of in your head. No, that's that's me. Yeah, that's all on my own. You're, yeah, you're going down a road I don't want to follow. Right, it's just some <laughs> psychological illness that I have. So uh, this elf ruling me and talking to me in my time. But so I have to move this dude around. But it's amazing how it doesn't matter how big your house is and how many rooms you have. After about four nights, you run out of all ingenuity. Like, I thought I would have so many places for him. We could put him in different places and all these stories about, you know, having the elf on the counter and sprinkling sugar. I'm like, oh, he's after, you know, eating the sugar again. Andy, it's infuriatingly annoying to be moving this chap around the whole time. And he looks off to the side creepily. He doesn't even look at me right in the eyes when I'm moving him. Um, I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm upset that I have another lodger in the house and he's not contributing to the to the mortgage in one in one way. Not even a bit. Yeah. And whose benefits is it for? Is it for, is it for the kids or is it for um, maybe it's one of the parents' benefits that we're doing this elf on the shelf? <laughs> well, it better not be the parents. It's a pretty sick... Although you see all those stories in the Daily Mail and the Sun or any of those sort of red banner newspapers <laughs> where someone's obsessed with dolls and as a whole, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's the kids and I don't even know if he's as into it as I hoped he would be. I thought it was going to be cute, but as I said, after four days, like that just does your head in. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But it must be cool if uh, Mike McCarthy's doing A. Yeah, well, that's given me renewed vigor. I think, uh, you know, I'm an award-winning, I'm a very successful elf on the shelf mover. Um, so, you know, don't question me. And I'm going to get all right yeah. when you question the position that I put them in. So, yeah, at least elf on the shelf, He's we know for a fact if Dom Capers is not going to get caught, elf on the shelf will, that's for sure, because, you know, his performance lately has just been shocking. No. I, um, but anyway. I'm, 
I'm sticking to my um, Green Bay Packer stockings this year. They are mighty fine, and they'll put, they're already adorned on the back of my uh, doorknobs in my front room. Where did you get them? Did you make them? Did you ship them um, from? Do you know what? I, um, I acquired them off eBay about two years ago. They're, they're rather natty. Um, but yeah, so they get filled with sweets Christmas morning when Santa pops his head in. But isn't that the thing, though, right, over here? Now, I know we try to do our best at UK Packers, is what I should have said off the top off the top of the dome but uh we tried to bring in march but it's incredibly hard to get green bay packer march it's annoying isn't it i mean there should be some better way because another pro shop has a flat rate of 50 quid and we'll do our best to try bring that down have you been stung with that before andy i mean what have you bought from the states before it's usually in your early days of supporting right now i know you said yeah, yeah. you got them in the post or something you by asking for them or whatever but like how is it for you because you must have seen it back in the 80s where like they're right impossible all the way up to now where you can get it but you're going to pay a pretty penny in postage and customs yeah i think it's the first time isn't it it's the first time you get stung by customs is a killer isn't it yeah you're already getting questioned by the missus oh how much have you paid for that and you're sort of like <laughs> oh well the exchange rate was you try and confuse yeah, them yeah. with science but when the postman rocks up at your front door and he's giving you you need to pay 49 dollars before you can have the parcel it becomes <laughs> you, you sort of run out of excuses at that point, don't you? So yeah, I think the first couple of times I got stung, um, yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment. You think you're getting a bargain, actually? I think I was using a place in San Francisco. It was a sports outlet oh, yeah. that was that was really really competitive in terms of price, and mm. uh, I ordered a whole heap of gear. Um, and I think the first time I got it, I didn't pay any. Um, excess sort of tax and customs just in case anyone from the tax and excise people are listening I did pay all of it um, no but this, but the second time I, I got stung again so um, yeah it's, it's not cheap is it it's not cheap I'm sure there's a niche there for somebody to uh, with a bit of entrepreneurial flair to, to, to make a run in the market yeah well if someone wants to import it well we can certainly flog it we can um, you know hit the target audience and get it out there to all the fans because I think we all have that hunger to try get gear um, yeah. But what what's really weird as well is like we get we've got an awful lot of stories in lately from lads in Glasgow back in the eighties who um, we say to them how did you become a fan and they say oh my parents brought me something home from Glasgow Market and they bring them home like it was a Brett Favre jersey and a Green Bay Packers whatever you know hat and I just found that odd like imagine that Glasgow nineteen eighties stumbling into because it's kind of like if you go into any TK Maxx now you can't get in the door without falling over a Raiders shirt <laughs> you know what I mean there's always some like and then you see all these douches walking around with Raiders shirts on and you're like oh Raiders fan are you you know do you like uh, do you think Carr's a good quarterback and he's like oh, the only car I know is the one I drive what are you talking about so it's just really annoying to get that have you had many fan experiences like that Andy where you go up to someone wearing something NFL and go hey it's nice to see a fellow like saying NFL and they're like I've no idea what you're talking about it's the other way around for me it's someone when you go like somewhere like Urban Outfitters and you're going in for a, a jacket or a pair of jeans and you see something that's Green Bay Packers apparel yeah. and you end up just buying it you buy it because it's there. But I went to Camden Market, I think it was not last year, the year before with my son, and um, we ended up spending a fortune. I ended up getting a white uh, away jersey, Brett Favre um, starter one, which was, you know, yeah. pretty niche, pretty niche and pretty cool. Um, I ended up with some Jordy Nelson hoodie. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, just, just bizarre stuff that's probably licensed, unlicensed. I don't know where it's come from, but because it's there, you end up buying it. Isn't that, that'd be the best now shop idea is to just go in and get a pile of Green Bay Packer stuff and go into somewhere random 
you know, like yeah. a sheep shearing competition. You know, you probably sell out because it's definitely there should be some Packer fans in there somewhere. I think it's it's the randomness that it takes you by surprise. You're like, I haven't that because I did yeah, that yeah. as well. I went into TK Maxx and I bought a Packers hat. I didn't even check the size. I just bought it. It was like twenty quid, and then I got it, and it was like extra large. I mean, you know, yeah. it wouldn't have even fit Godzilla. And I was just like, well, now I'm just gonna have to put it in the trophy case like some freak. Yeah, I've got a golf jumper upstairs. It doesn't fit me. The, the sleeves are too short and the body's too short. Yeah. But I ended up buying it anyway because it's a Green Bay Packers on it. And I've never wore it to this day and I probably should just give it away or sell it, but it's still in my wardrobe, but I've never wore it. <laughs> Sounds like it'll fit me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, bring it, I'll, I'll bring it along to the next meet. You can take it. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Oh no. But look, it's an exciting time, Andy, because we have uh, games coming up now and we're still in playoff mode, but we're in decidedly better shape with Aaron Rodgers behind centre. Now, the question on everybody's lips, and we want to hear at Pooley Shrews, at Pooley Shrews, uh, opinion on all of this action. Can a player come back after eight weeks and after getting his collarbone broken on the right side, his throwing side, and be the same player because of the injury and also shake off any rust. About a Panthers team that I will say played the Vikings who was an eight-game winning streak and Case Keenan was playing out of his skin and they his, their defense sacked him six times. He'd been sacked only nine times prior to that for the whole season. And their running back is firing on all cylinders. He's you know scored three touchdowns in his last game, which is the first time he's ever scored three touchdowns in his career so he's been playing for 10 years John and Stewart um, and even on special teams they were doing some handy stuff Andy handy Andy can can they you know can Aaron Rodgers step in with this type of pressure and deliver the goods Steve he was always coming back we've been saying it for weeks he was always coming yeah. back ye of little faith um, <laughs> he, he was he was always coming back he's been throwing the ball around for a number of weeks now hasn't he any rust that's that's on there or was on there will be well gone by now Um this has all the makings of a shootout for me. Uh, uh, and I like our chances if we've got number 12 under centre. Uh, that's how I see it. They've got a you know a top three run defence, haven't they? I'm sure you'll go into some detail there. Um, but I remember the last time we played down in Carolina, I think we got sort of quite quite heavily behind and we ended up sort of playing catch-up football. Um, I just think that we're going to... McCarthy sort of likes to be that way, doesn't he? And I think that Rogers has got a huge chip on his shoulder and I think we're going to come out with throwing the ball as well as we've ran it with Jamal Williams and um, Aaron Jones earlier in the season, I've just got this picture in my head that we're going to come out throwing it, sort of um, typical McCarthy style. And it wouldn't surprise me if we throw it 40 plus times. And I think we're sort of at the point where we recognise we're going to need to score a serious amount of points to win ball ball games at the minute, um, given the you know the state of the defence. So, so unless we see something more dramatically impactful from the defence we are going to have to probably score 30 points to win the game the best way to do that is to put the ball in 12 hands I do think you'll probably see a lot of um, rollout players um, uh, and sort of quick hitters I think that, um, that they they won't sort of game plan to, to put A-Rod in a position where he's going to take a lot of hits so uh, the interior line of the Carolina Panther defence is probably the strong point isn't it um, they've got an athletic bunch of linebackers so it makes sense to try and try and get the ball out of A-Rod's hands pretty quickly. So I would anticipate lots and lots of quick sort of West Coast style uh, passes. That's how I see us winning the game, sort of with that approach, really. Yeah, and see, it's important to note as well here is that Aaron Rodgers has played the Panthers before. Cam Newton was playing on the Panthers in that team in 2015. So was Jonathan Stewart. Uh, So was Funches. And an awful lot of the same players are, you know, 
still playing are going to be playing in this game that did play back in the past so and again i know teams have changed and evolved and people have matured and got better but arguably cam newton has done that as well and so has his uh, receivers and john and stewart's coming off a dynamite game as well we lost that game 37 29 back in 2015 so if anyone thinks that it's going to be an easy task to come back in and to just run the table for the rest because that's what we need to do here and we're going to go into the sort of permutations and get our einstein on a little bit later um, but we need to win every single game. If you don't, we're pretty much toast. There is one way that we can get in if we're 9 and 7, but that's like ridiculously unlikely. It's not going to happen. So we need to win this game, and it's going to be tough. And just because we have Aaron Rodgers, I think, doesn't mean that we're we're still going to win the game. Um, but, you know, he's... His football IQ is still there. He it has been playing this season. He has been practicing. He has been leading the scout team. And something that really stands out to me that wasn't mentioned in the last podcast as well, just to show you how smart he is. And this, this is part of it as well as that football intelligence was when, you know, that game winning or the game tying touchdown when um, Brett Hundley was supposed to spike that ball into the ground. You can see Aaron Rodgers' video yeah. that we retweeted on the sidelines where he's saying yeah. to him, literally gesturing to him if anyone wants to look at him. And I know the game is fast-paced and you can go back and look at it and it seems fine. But he's telling him, don't throw it into the ground, throw the pass. And you see him, I'm even after hitting myself in the head here trying to do the interactions and I realise that it's radio. Um, so, you know, tell him to throw that pass. So it's that football IQ. It's it's catching, you know, extra men on the field. It's, it's catching the offsides and having the free play and all the rest of it. But... You know, we're potentially more potent with Jamal Williams um, with Devontae Adams being clutch. Uh, and then if he's like extra echelon good with the likes of Brett Hundley, we have, you know, Jordy Nelson coming back into the fray with Randall Cobb because we know that's Aaron Rodgers' sort of favourite guys. But I'm under no illusion, Andy. I don't know how you feel about it, that it's not as if this is the offence with Brett Hundley and Devontae Adams was fantastic. Aaron Jones is fantastic. Jamal Williams was fantastic. They're going to remain fantastic. And then Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb are going to be used as well. And then we're just going to be absolutely unstoppable and steamroll them for a 50-burger. You know, that's the sort of traps that everyone fell into <laughs> in the preseason with Martellus Bennett. Remember that? We we're kind of like, we have Cobb, we have Nelson, we have Adams. You know, we have uh, Ty Montgomery in the backfield. And now Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks. Sure, like, there's no way they're going to have to get extra numbers for the scoreboard because it's going to be 100-plus every game. And that's not how it works out. So I don't know about you, Andy. I feel that this is going to be equal at best. I don't think we're going to run away with it. I'd love it to be that fairy tale story. And I think that we, you know, and as well as that, and I know I'm sort of waxing on and on and on, but I think that the Panthers last game is not very indicative of the Panthers form because we're going to go through in a little while about the, the rankings and where people sit on the Panthers team. And the, on paper, Green Bay have a far better team, but the Panthers, like they did when they got to the Super Bowl have a knack of putting together perfect games and making themselves look unstoppable. Yeah, I think you will. Fairy tales very rarely come true in the NFL, do they? So yeah. you've got to be mindful of that. But you have to dare to dream, don't you? Um, it'd be nice to see that, you know, Packers in, in a shootout win. Uh, on paper, like you say, the Panthers are playing better football right now. Um, the stats point towards the Panthers' win. Um, home field advantage for the Panthers. Yeah. Cam Newton's playing well. Um, so all that sort of given, um, yeah, I'm definitely up for a Packers win. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just, I just think that's the way it works. The NFL, the NFL's been, it's been like that all year long, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. um, and I don't know why. I just think that um, I don't. I don't you would hope that the team's been given a huge lift, wouldn't you? Sort of looking at social media. Um, you know, some of the guys were, were sort of, it felt like Christmas morning for them, didn't it? You know, they were. 
I don't know whether they were surprised or they expected it or what, but um, but certainly the, re- the return of Aaron Rodgers was received um, gratefully by most of the players, wasn't it? And you've got to think that that's going to give the whole team a lift and raise the level of performance for those around him as well. So I don't know. Just it's it's great to be in a position, isn't it? When we get to the sort of end of the season and we're still in with a shout of, of reaching the playoffs, and that's all we could ask for, sort of three or four weeks ago, isn't it? Um, like I kept saying, take every game as it comes, and I think this is going to be a this is a litmus test, isn't it? So for all the games that we've played. Over the last couple of weeks, this is the, the first game really that you'll be going to test ourselves against a real playoff contender. So I just, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a high high tempo game. I think it'll be a real playoff atmosphere, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the game. Yeah, because both teams are in it for the playoffs. Both teams are looking to make their way into the postseason, and every game for both teams are going to look like a playoff game. So this is real desperation stuff. It reminds me of kind of a World Cup game. You know, where no one's playing for a draw. No one's just sort of sitting yeah. back. It's just all attack, attack, attack. But Andy, looking at these teams on, on paper, and this is what kind of shocked me was, is that Aaron Rodgers, even though he's been absent, based on his stats, was the seventh-ranked quarterback in the league. Brett Hundley was 28. Cam Newton is 27th. So he's only one better than Brett Hundley. Now, I know, looking back at it, people go, no, that's nonsense, that doesn't make sense, that's wrong. Um, but that's where he stands with stats. Um. You know, his passing hasn't been all that fantastic this season, but obviously his rushing attack is where we're going to really come up against a buzzsaw because Cam Newton is a record breaker when it comes to the run. So um, this season, Cam Newton has rushed for 585 yards and he's only one one season behind Michael Vick in rushing for 600 yards or more. Michael Vick has done that four times. Cam Newton has done it three times, but he's at that 585. He needs to only rush for 15 yards against the Packers or for the rest of the season to notch up to that fourth season. So then he will sit the top of the NFL with Michael Vick as the most seasons with 600-plus rushing yards, um, which is quite astounding. And that's where we struggle, isn't it? I mean, it's against quarterbacks who are mobile, especially with their safeties dropping so deep as of lately. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know how we're going to catch up to him. And it's alarming as well that... Uh, and we sort of spoke about a pre-prod. All of this Pro Bowl voting that's been going on and Clinton Dix has been putting his name out there saying, please vote for me. But under the highlights of the Cleveland Browns game, I was watching over the highlights again and, and taking in some of the stats, um, you know, just because we're recreational freaks like that. And there was one play, uh, I I don't know, I can't remember if it was even a wide receiver or running back, um, but he was actively running away from the from the player with the ball, the the Cleveland Browns player. And it just, it was like Premier League defending. You know, when you're the last man and you kind of want to buy time till your mates get there. That's kind of what yeah, it yeah. looked like to me, which is alarming. So that's going to pose us a problem on the night, isn't it? Oh, well, it has all season, hasn't it? It's, it's posed us a problem uh, season long. I'm not quite sure what, what, what we're doing there. I think it's a third down completion as well. If you watch the tape, we lead the league in allowing third and 15 completions. Don't we? we just can't get off the field. Um, and and I, I don't understand the the concept behind it. I suppose it, they was talking about Tom's defenses don't want to allow the um, the big completion. They don't want to allow teams the quick hitter, the long completion, the quick touchdown. You would think, wouldn't you, that you'd want your offense on the field at all times. That's what you would want. So I'm I'm the other way around. I'd rather have a mixture of three and outs. And if they're going to score touchdowns, I'd rather they did it quickly rather than eat the clock up and, and take away time from number twelve. It doesn't. Fit would make any sense, you know. I think that I'd rather have an attacking style defense that's going to gamble a little bit, and if we give up a long touchdown, then so be it. But at least if we're getting sort of you know three and outs on a regular basis, I'd much prefer that and get number 12 back on the field. 
Uh, it's just a, it's just a little bit odd to me, isn't it? I'd rather we're just a little bit more daring in our approach, particularly as you know some of the some of the sort of uh, the players that we've got on the field at the minute are suited to that. You know, the likes of Clay Matthews and Nick Perry and Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark as a as a front four. Mm. They're gonna they're gonna get the pressure on, uh, given you know all things being equal. Yeah, and Josh Jones brings the boom. Um... Yeah, so I, well, I think... he just needs to be played close to the line of scrimmage, Josh Jones. I think any time he's played close to the line of scrimmage, he's made things happen. And again, I just don't understand this, you know, playing him in sort of centre field just doesn't suit his style of play. When he played against Cincinnati and he got the sacks, he was brought on the blitz or he played close to the line of scrimmage. His interception last week, he was, you know, in a position where he could make a play. Give the guy his head and, and let him go and make some plays. It's very similar to Morgan Burnett. I don't think Morgan Burnett's the greatest in coverage, but put him close to the line of scrimmage and I think he's effective. And that, that would be said for, for most of our guys. I just don't understand the, the sitting in the zone bit. We're just not great in terms of zone defence. In fact, we're pretty shocking, to be honest. Yeah, people not being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I used to always use that thing of like, oh, Dom is putting them, is scheming correctly, but his players just aren't capable. But after a couple of seasons and people calling for your head, that kind of wears thin. Morgan Burnett is in the elite status. Blake Martinez, fantastic. Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, fantastic. Clay Matthews having a standout season. Nick Perry not doing too badly. Um, Demarius Randall has really taken, take, taken, nearly taken a surge. He is, uh, real Irish, is, is uh, really um, surging with these interceptions. Again, some of his other plays uh, leave a lot to be desired. Um, but, you know, he's, he comes up with the ball and that's all you can really ask for. So I think we have enough pieces on offense and defense to really challenge the Carolina Panthers. But where they're most dangerous um, would be you know, Christian McCaffrey at running back, although he had a sort of a slow season, they're not asking him to do much. He's still 13th in the league, so he's doing fairly well. I think it all comes down to um, their defense. You know, Luke Keekley, like this guy isn't human. He's number two amongst linebackers. And Kwan Short, who you mentioned as well uh, before the pod, Andy. These lads are super elite. Are we in danger? Like, can we keep A-Rod upright? And are we in danger of aggravating that injury or do we just say, look, even if he was healthy, he's at risk of injury. So just put him out there and don't be worrying about it. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. I think that their elite players, Shaw, Addison, Peppers, um, will play against our elite players. So Lane Taylor, Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley. So I think that we'll we'll hold our own. I think they'll make their share of plays and we'll make our share of plays. But but that that the real strength of their defense is the is the linebacking core, Thompson, Davis, and Luke, as you alluded to. You know they, they are the real strength, but I think that they they can be exposed in the defensive backfield, similar to ourselves. Um, a, a bit like you said earlier, Carolina looked really impressive last week, but I've watched them play earlier this season, and I was less than impressed, particularly on the back end. So. I don't know if they're watching the same tape as what I am, but if I was going to attack the Carolina Panthers, it would be through the air. And that's why I see that I think Rodgers is going to throw the ball a lot. Um, I think it'll be plus 40 attempts. And, and I think that they may be thinking that we'll go conservative and probably try and run the ball, you know, run heavy. And I think we'll try and catch him unawares and, and give Rodgers his head pretty early. And that's where I see that our opportunity lies. I mean, their strength on offense is a short passing game, isn't it? So the read option with... Um, Newton, but McCaffrey out of the backfield has been, been lethal. Yeah. Uh, Funchess has got a height advantage 
um, over the backfield, doesn't he? And certainly the tight ends have done well as well. No, you did right. Uh, the the one image that stands out in my head from earlier in the season with the Panthers was is Luke Keekley looking really annoyed, looking really pissed off because they're after giving <laughs> up some easy pass plays, and he started nodding his yeah. head as if to say that was obvious. Their cornerbacks are the same, if not worse, than theirs. Darren Worley, 79th. Yeah. Captain Munnerlin, you know, ridiculous name, 97th. And James Bradbury, really normal name, 97th also. You know, their safeties, Mike Adams is fairly handy, uh, but Kirk Coleman um, on the other side just, you know, doesn't cut it. So I think you're right. It, the pass game is where it's all at. It's just if Aaron Rodgers picks up where he left off, which undoubtedly he will, because I don't think, you know, the quarterback, the, the caliber of Aaron Rodgers kind of falls off. Um, you know, apart it was, from... It would... It wouldn't surprise me if the Packers, both Adams and Nelson, both go over 100 yards. I think there's a real strong possibility that's the case. Yeah, and of course, the league are going to be shocked, right? Because they would have looked at the Panthers beating the Vikings, which shows me as well, Andy, that if we beat the Panthers in that way, um, well, then surely we can engineer a game similar to what the Panthers did and use that formula against the Vikings um, in our game against them. And, you know, we could really... It makes it sound realistic, you know, because you look at it on paper and, and I'll read out soon, uh, you know, what uh, the football geniuses say that we have to do. But when you look at it and break it down bit by bit and we can beat the Panthers through the air, that's fine. We can use the run as well and do a nice bit of play action. Um, Jamal Williams is unbelievable. So that's how we can beat the Panthers. The Vikings use the same formula as the Panthers. Now, that involves having a perfect game almost, but we have the running back to do it, arguably. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is back, might be... You know, the buzz might be around it, that momentum might be going, and we just use the same formula to beat them. If we can, the, the only problem is getting that pressure on the likes of Case Keenum to, to sack him as much and to spook him. But in that game as well, you know, the Vikings, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs had, I think he had five surefire uh, catches that were dropped, one of them in the end zone and one of them uh, just outside the red zone maybe or even in the red zone. So it was argued that they would have definitely have went on to whatever. Now that one ended up getting intercepted. So, you know, we need them to be on a bad day. We need us to be on a good day. But that can happen if you look at the NFC Championship game, not the last two minutes. But if you look at the start of it when we were waxing the Seahawks, it's definitely possible. If you look at that gauntlet and you look at it that way, I mean, do you see a real possibility of us going to 10 and 6. Now, I know that doesn't guarantee us a playoff spot, but is that realistic or is that dreamer stuff? I'm just, I'm just looking at the first hurdle. I think that in your point around the Vikings, I do think that they've probably peaked, whether they can maintain that peakness right the way through the remaining three games of the season and into the playoffs yeah. is, is to be seen. But I think that they've plateaued to a point that they don't, they're not going to get any better. That's where I see them. So potentially they might hold their form and they might, you know, demolish Cincinnati this week and then, you know, prove competitive the final two weeks of the season. But for me, I think we've seen what the Vikings are about. We know all about Case Keenum and the wide receiver threats. But I saw enough cracks last week to to be encouraged if we get to the final week of the season and need the need the W against Minnesota. Um, this is the one, isn't it? This is this is a litmus test for me. It's um, it's now or never, isn't it? Well, let's take it one game at a time. Yeah, it's a shame that we're kind of talking about it on the on the podcast, and it's we've got such a tough test so early, and it's not something like no, it's, I was gonna say it's not something like the Browns and the Bears, but the thing is they might pose difficult games as well. The the, the Browns one did, uh, and the Bears one might as well with the the form they've taken in their last game. They seem to be just re- like a ridiculous step up in standard. Now whether that was just a once off, who knows? But I have to agree because it's not the first time the Vikings have done this. They don't seem to be able to maintain that level of play all season. Uh, the NFC North teams in general 
over the last number of years because we've seen that happen a good few times as as I don't know. It just really stands out in my head, you know, yeah, that yeah. we went down to the dagger play with the Bears. So yeah. they were playing well, but they couldn't maintain it into the last game. They bottled it. The Vikings were the same. Uh, we did a skit ad last season about the Vikings doing the exact same as what they've done now. And we call it the, the Seahawks bandwagon company is advert. Um, I might <laughs> pop it into a podcast again soon. And, it, you know, the, one of the lines that I'm saying is like, you know, we're going to call it the Vikings bandwagon company, but every time we painted that on the side of the bandwagon, the wheels fell off because that's that's the way the Vikings go on. It seems that they can... You, and the thing is, it's the same with Carson Palmer, and I've said this a billion times in the podcast before. You know, he was a journeyman and, and he ends up on the Arizona Cardinals that year and he just... Everything comes together in this perfect little microcosm and he ends up, you know, being an MVP candidate and he's fell off a cliff since. The same with Case Keenum. You know, he's come into this situation, they've schemed around him well, everyone around him is playing to a ridiculously high level, but the minute you sort of knock that slightly, uh, well then the wheels do start to fall off, so I think that might be the case. So looking ahead, Andy, then, at the, uh, you know, the strength of schedule for all of the other teams who we're going up against. So if we look at the Minnesota Vikings, they got Cincinnati, who are 5-8, and eight, us 7-6 and six at the moment, arguably 8-6 and six after this game, fingers crossed, and then Chicago 4-9. and nine. The Detroit Lions, I could go into that, but I don't think, and you mentioned this pre-pod, you don't see them as, as serious contenders, do you, the Detroit Lions and the Cowboys, is that right? Well, if you consider that we need to beat the Lions, um, so that's that's the first thing, isn't it? So if we don't do that, then they are comp- you know they're in the mix, but we're not. Mm. Um, the Cowboys, <clears throat> even if they win out, we've got the, the tiebreaker on the Cowboys, haven't we? So uh, the, the three teams for me really would be Seattle, Atlanta, and, and Carolina. Those are mm. the results that we need to be to be looking towards, I suppose. Yeah, and Carolina have us at seven and six. Tampa Bay four and nine, and Atlanta eight and five. That's a massive game. And Atlanta have Tampa Bay, the New Orleans Saints, and the Carolina Panthers then last. So you know, they're going to take a game off each other either way. And I hate when people go and say, oh, well, if we get this, they get that, they get that, and then a tie. And like, look, the game's not going to end in a tie. Very, very unlikely. So we can sort of rule out those scenarios. But before we get into the tiebreaker, something interesting come up on Twitter. One of the lads went and tweeted this in and said, oh, good job, TT. Um, Sam and Doze actually tweeted us uh, with this graphic from Pro Football Focus just showing that Casey Hayward was the top cornerback this season. Um, So... We obviously let him go. We got stung by it. And now it's very topical because Julius Peppers, who uh, got shipped off to arguably home to uh, Carolina, he's got nine and a half sacks this season. And if he gets half a sack this season, obviously he's going to be at 10 sacks. Great maths. And he's one of the uh, only players to reach 10 sacks in 10 different seasons. The other players that did that were Bruce Smith, Reggie White and Kevin Green, all of which are Pro Football Hall of Famers. So, good company, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, Andy, what I want to ask you is, is that it was this foreseen that Casey Hayward would ball out, that Micah Hyde would arguably ball out this season. He's, you know, he's putting up some nice numbers. Julius Peppers, at the tender age of 84, uh, would ball out like this. I mean, are we making mistakes letting players go? Are we too frugal? Um, Or are these just players who are in the right place at the right time with the teams that they've went to to be able to put up these type of numbers or a mixture of the both ah tough one that steve isn't it um in the case of peppers so i would have been okay with his release based on his performance from the, the last two years i suppose um yeah. i think he was trending downwards 
but then the point that we made pre-pod is it is it's about the system, isn't it? It's about the position that you put your players in to make plays. And while we continue in this format of defence, then Peppers was not going to be effective. The way Carolina use him, although McCarthy alluded to the fact that he spends just as much time in the three-point stance in Carolina as he did in Green Bay, it's slightly different. And it's the same argument, I suppose, for Micah Hyde and, and Casey Haywood. So for me, Haywood was always a superior ball-hawking slot cover corner. I always thought the only time he ever struggled was against a sort of taller Julio Jones, but but who doesn't struggle against him? Sort of type of receiver that was a little bit more physical than what Casey was. It, it was a you know I didn't think he was expensive. I think that potentially the, the dollars that he signed for we could have matched that at the time, uh, and, and I guess the dollars was the overriding factor with Micah Hyde as well. Again, he was a jack of all trades based on the defense that we played. He was never a true safety, was he? So we it was Burnett and Dix and Hyde did a bit of you know. He was a bit like the Swiss Army knife, wasn't he? He would cover the tight end. Yeah. He would play in this lot. You know, he would cover where injuries flared up, but he wasn't a starter. So to pay someone in the range of five to six million dollars a year for someone who's not starting in your defense, it doesn't make any sense, does it? But again, it, it boils down to what type of defense do you want to play? So in the type of defense that Buffalo are playing, he's excelled because he's a ball hawk. He understands the game. He reads the game well. He anticipates things well and he jumps on things and he plays on instinct, all those traits that, that you'd want to see. But in the Green Bay defence, it doesn't seem as though that sort of traits are allowed to flourish. So again, it's a, it's a case of scheme versus player, isn't it? Square pegs, round holes, you know. It just depends how you want to play, doesn't it? And it just it just seems as though those players have gone on to do better things in, in different schemes. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, and I don't know what the answer is, to be honest. It's just a... It's probably not great for Thompson in terms of it's all culminating and they're all doing well on the same year, isn't it? So it does highlight the fact a little a little bit worse. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Imagine I'm texting them like, bro, really, come on. Don't be, don't yeah. be playing so well. But I think the part that sort of fascinates me is is I'm looking at all of these teams on a very similar record and they're all in the chase and I'm sort of thinking like, all right, what do the Packers need to do? Forget about everybody else. What do the Packers need to do to get to the playoffs? And on the podcast, people, we're here to enlighten you. And maybe enlighten is too strong a word because maybe confuse you is another thing because I sure as hell looking at some of these and I just go, okay, yeah, I've read it. It's in black and white. I didn't come up with it and I'm going to believe it and let's do it. Kind of like the Bible. So here we go. Um, there's a bit of a bit of a Bible, bit of a religious joke there for you. Um, so <laughs> let me crank off with the easiest option. Right. Here's how the Packers get to the playoffs. Okay. So number one. The Packers need to finish 10 and 6, so we need to win out. If the Packers do not win every game, uh, we can get to the playoffs technically with nine wins, but we're not going to. Simple as that. I'll, I'll mention that later, and I'm going to confuse you and me and Andy and the elf on the shelf with that sort of compilation, right? Number two, <laughs> the Panthers, who are 9 and 4, uh, go 1 and 2, so they need to be at 10 wins as well, with their only win coming against Atlanta in week 17. So they need to lose to us, and they need to lose to the Bucks which seems kind of unlikely. The Seahawks, who are 8-5, and five, go 2-1 and one over the final three weeks to finish 10-6 and six as well. So we win the tiebreaker over the Panthers and over the Seahawks, and then we go on to the playoffs. It's as simple as that. Um, so the, if the Panthers beat the Falcons in Week 17, that'd give them the season sweep. And I'm reading off, uh, what website is this? CBS Sports. If the Panthers beat the Falcons in Week 17, uh, they give them the season sweep over the... Uh, 
over Atlanta and they eliminate the Falcons from the wildcard tie-breaking scenario because of the divisional ties are broken. And that would leave the Panthers, Seahawks and Packers with the Panthers being the odd team out in that scenario. So we were talking about this sort of four-way uh, tie, Andy, weren't we, before the pod and we were kind of getting ourselves in ribbons and a knot. Um, so we won't go into that. But that, that's it. I didn't understand it. It's all from the CBS website, which is great. Um, so the other scenario would be that the Packers win out 10 and 6. The Panthers go 1-2, and two, their only win coming against Atlanta. The Seahawks go 3-0 and oh over the final three weeks to go 11-5. and five. And the Rams go 2-1 and one with the loss to Seattle over the final three weeks to finish 11-5. and five. Now, that game is coming up this week, and I did a bit of work around that for some of the media work that I'm doing, and it doesn't seem very likely because uh, Todd Gurley um, is leading all running backs with touchdowns and also is second in rushing yards. He's got 1,637 yards. Now, that's... He's the first running back to go over 1,600 yards in Rams franchise history. Well, he's one of three, and the other two are Eric Dickerson and Marshall Falk. So uh, both of those are Pro Football Hall of Famers. They're doing well. Cooper Cup, uh, he leads all rookies uh, this year in in touchdowns, I think, um, or yards, one or the other. Um, And also he leads the team with 56 catches, and he's the first rookie um, to catch 56 uh, for the Rams in franchise history. So they're doing really, really well. Sean McVay's getting them pumping. Um, so they're a scary team, and the Seahawks have lost a ton on defense. So I don't think that's happening, Andy. So this just shows it, right, that even if we win out, we're not guaranteed to have it. And I don't know what it, I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't know what it'd be worse. You know, losing to the Panthers and just getting used to the idea of it, or winning out of 10 and 6, and that's right the way. still not getting no. in. No, let's ride the wave. If we can win Carolina and take on Detroit and, and knock off Minnesota, that's the important one for me. Mm. Uh, let's just see. Let's just see what happens. You just see with the weekend with uh, Philadelphia losing the starting QB. You just don't know what's around the corner, do you? You know, they look totally dominant, in which it was a great game, wasn't it? I don't know whether you watched it, but the, the Rams-Eagles game was a top-level game, sort of playoff atmosphere and two very physical, aggressive teams there. But, um, you know knocking spots off each other, people going down with injuries. You know, the Rams lost mm. a valuable member of the defensive backfield. You know, the Eagles lost starting QB. So, you know, each week you see that it's developing, developing, developing season. You know, you just never know what's around the corner. All you need to do is put yourself in the dance and then let's see what happens from there. Yeah, there's a lot of tired bodies out there, but that almost sounds like a veiled threat. You know, when um, uh, Trump comes out and says, like, oh, Hillary wants to take your guns. Well, you have your guns and you know what to do. It's kind of like, what? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and you're saying anything can happen, Steve. Anything. Anyway, I'm off to Carolina right now with a bag of hammers. But um, look, will I tell the people how we can go in at nine and seven? And it's just, it's so ridiculous. Not happening. Not no, happening, not is happening. it? <laughs> but as you, but Andy, using the Andy Davies at, at Poolishrew mantra, uh, let me hit the people with some nine and seven action. So the Packers yeah. can get in at nine and seven if the Falcons lose out and go eight and eight. It's not going to happen. I doubt it anyway. The Panthers go 11 and five or 12 and four to get the fifth seed. And then the second place team in the NFC West, whether that's the Seahawks or the Rams, finish nine and seven or worse. If all of that happens, then the Packers could get in with the sixth seed with a nine and seven record. Now, if you get down to the bookies, I'm pretty sure they would take your money hand over fist. If you were like, I want to put a tenner down. They're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do you want to put 20? We'll give you a free tenner bet. Uh, that's not happening, Andy, is it? No, no. Well, my cash out reappeared for my Green Bay preseason bet this week, so there must be some progress. Oh, really? What, what, are, you, what are you, is your cash out now? 
I think I'm up to about 38 pence, which is <laughs> which is a massive improvement from the 19 pence of previous weeks. So, yeah, yeah definitely, I was pointing in the right direction. It's like that guy at the start of the Premier League season when Leicester City won at Andy, who bet yeah. on his team to win. And every week, the bookies were calling to him and say, look, you know, just cash out now. Cash you out, still yeah. get your 10 grand. Um, are, so say the Panth- say the Packers beat the Panthers. I'm sure that, the, you know, I'd say our odds go up from 10% to, you know, 20% or whatever at that stage. Do you cash out at that stage, Andy? Or are you just going to leave the money in there? Would you rather yeah. lose the money and believe in your Packers than cash out and buy yourself half a Mars bar? Oh, yeah, just let it ride, yeah. Never yeah. cashed out. I don't think I've ever... I think I've cashed out once in my life, and that's probably it. So uh, the introduction of that option in the betting game for me was irrelevant, to be honest. So, uh, <laughs> the strategy didn't work on Andy Davies, no? No, no, it's, it's interesting to look at, isn't it, I suppose? But no, it's, there's no point. Is it? You don't even regret it, isn't it? That's yeah. a, it's just not going to happen, isn't it? It makes a bit of fun. But, um, yeah. yeah. I thought we were a good value pre-season. I thought we had a, a decent shot. Uh, and we've still got a sneak now, so let's let it ride. Yeah, bit of a quarterback sneak action still. Um, but look, any other business for you, Andy? That you want to mention that you want to get off your chest? No, not really. The Thursday night game this week's a bit of a damn squid, isn't it? Um, the, the Broncos and is yeah. it the Colts, is it? Yeah, so that's not really going to keep me up tonight. Um, so no, I'm not. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a long time since I've looked forward to a Green Bay game as much as this one, to be honest. It's yeah. on a good time for us, isn't it? Six o'clock. <clears throat> Live on the telly, so yeah, lot, <laughs> lot, lot to play for. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Really, really am. I just think it's going to be a shootout. I really do. I think they're going to be locked in a shootout, and hopefully we can come out on top. Yeah. You know, it's going to be like the Ravens game. Then we're going to drop a big fat donut. No, I'm only messing. I'm only messing. No, nah. think positive. Think positive. It's uh-huh. got a. I just think it is. I just think it's got all the makings of a a shootout. I really do. Well, look, people, send your vibes out into the universe for the Packers to be delivered with a nice win. So it's um, that's a good podcast. I like it. I like it a lot. Some nice stats, some good opinion, and more than anything else, it's just blind hope, blind optimism uh, that we're going to rescue this season, and hopefully we do. It's going to be pretty somber, and the podcast listenership will be two if we don't. Just me yeah. and you listening back to what we sound like. Uh. It'll be very interesting, though, if we do manage to come out of Carolina with a win, won't it? The, the NFL bandwagoners will be jumping on us pretty heavily I think won't they so it'll be oh, yeah. there's no great powerhouse in the NFC and Green Bay you've got to watch out for Green Bay you'll hear all the rhetoric won't you so yeah. just for that reason alone I think I'd like to see us pull out the victory so it'd be nice I read and I saw the headline of an article and I have to admit I didn't go into it because of the headline on the article that says why Green Bay aren't a lock for the playoffs and I'm like yeah because we're at 10% <laughs> and we need someone else to help us what are you talking about it's like he's gone on as if we're like you know Jesus, yeah, yeah. fourteen and one, and we're like, oh, they might not still get in. That's a headline grabber. That is clickbait when you're talking about a team who's in the predicament of the Packers. But it just goes to show you, I suppose, the power of Aaron Rodgers. Now we'll uh, end the pod there. It's a good, optimistic uh, woohoo uh, podcast. And if anybody's thinking about what happened to the 1919 shop, it's still in the works. But with the Christmas period and with the postage the way it is, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to get a shipment over. Uh, before that and as you can tell it's gonna it's manic busy at the moment with what's happening in the season um and you know what's happening in uk packers hq with ryan knocking down walls and um it's just it's just manic it's just crazy so uh we'll get back on track probably 
well hopefully not after the Packers season is over um, and we'll try fill your man rooms with some lovely signed merch but look for myself at NFL on Twitter follow the group at UK Packers make sure you hit us up on Instagram we're trying to update that more regularly now uh, so some funny memes on there so it'll be racking me brain thinking about memes um, to get them out there get it, get everybody together have a bit of a debate and have a laugh and from me old buddy me old pal it's Andy Davies it's at Pooley Shrew it's goodbye till after we clobber the Panthers see you later Steve